Chapter Ten of An Anonymous Story by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Ten. After lunch next day, it was the seventh of January, Saint John the Baptist Day. Orlov put on his black dress coat and his decoration to go to visit his father and congratulate him on his name-day he had to go at two o'clock and it was only half-past one when he had finished dressing what was he to do for that half-hour he walked about the drawing-room declaiming some congratulatory verses which he had recited as a child to his father and mother zinaida fyodorovna who was just going out to a dressmaker's or to the shops was sitting listening to him with a smile i don't know how their conversation began but when i took orlov his gloves he was standing before her with a capricious beseeching face saying for god's sake in the name of everything that's holy don't talk of things that everybody knows what an unfortunate gift our intellectual thoughtful ladies have for talking with enthusiasm and an air of profundity of things that every schoolboy is sick to death of ah if only you would exclude from our conjugal programme all these serious questions how grateful i should be to you we women may not dare it seems to have views of our own oh i give you full liberty to be as liberal as you like and quote from any authors you choose but make me one concession don't hold forth in my presence on either of two subjects the corruption of the upper classes and the evils of the marriage system do understand me at last the upper class is always abused in contrast with the world of tradesmen priests workmen and peasants sidors and nikitas of all sorts i detest both classes but if i had honestly to choose between the two i should without hesitation prefer the upper class and there would be no falsity or affectation about it since all my tastes are in that direction our world is trivial and empty but at any rate we speak french decently read something and don't punch each other in the ribs even in our most violent quarrels while the sidors and the nikitas and their worships in trade talk about being quite agreeable in a jiffy blast your eyes and display the most utmost license of pot-house manners and the most degrading superstition the peasant and the tradesman feed you yes but what of it that's not only to my discredit but to theirs also they feed me and take off their caps to me so it seems they have not the intelligence and honesty to do otherwise i don't blame or praise any one i only mean that the upper class and the lower are as bad as one another my feelings and my intelligence are opposed to both but my tastes lie more in the direction of the former well now for the evils of marriage orlov went on glancing at his watch it's high time for you to understand that there are no evils in the system itself what is the matter is that you don't know yourselves what you want from marriage what is it you want in legal and illegal cohabitation in every sort of union and cohabitation good or bad the underlying reality is the same you ladies live for that underlying reality alone for you it's everything your existence would have no meaning for you without it you want nothing but that and you get it but since you've taken to reading novels you are ashamed of it you rush from pillar to post you recklessly change your men and to justify this turmoil you've begun talking of the evils of marriage so long as you can't and won't renounce what underlies it all your chief foe your devil so long as you serve that slavishly what use is there in discussing the matter seriously 
everything you may say to me will be falsity and affectation i shall not believe you i went to find out from the hall porter whether the sledge was at the door and when i came back i found it had become a quarrel as sailors say a squall had blown up i see you want to shock me by your cynicism to-day said zinaida fyodorovna walking about the drawing-room in great emotion it revolts me to listen to you i am pure before god and man and have nothing to repent of i left my husband and came to you and am proud of it i swear on my honour i am proud of it well that's all right then if you were a decent honest man you too ought to be proud of what i did it raises you and me above thousands of people who would like to do as we have done but do not venture through cowardice or petty prudence but you are not a decent man you are afraid of freedom and you mock the promptings of genuine feeling from fear that some ignoramus may suspect you of being sincere you are afraid to show me to your friends there's no greater infliction for you than to go about with me in the street isn't that true why haven't you introduced me to your father or your cousin all this time why is it no i am sick of it at last cried zinaida fyodorovna stamping i demand what is mine by right you must present me to your father if you want to know him go and present yourself he receives visitors every morning from ten till half-past how base you are said zinaida fyodorovna wringing her hands in despair even if you are not sincere and are not saying what you think i might hate you for your cruelty oh how base you are we keep going round and round and never reach the real point the real point is that you made a mistake and you won't acknowledge it aloud you imagined that i was a hero and that i had some extraordinary ideas and ideals and it has turned out that i am a most ordinary official a card-player and have no partiality for ideas of any sort i am a worthy representative of the rotten world from which you have run away because you were revolted with its triviality and emptiness recognize it and be just don't be indignant with me but with yourself as it is your mistake and not mine yes i admit i was mistaken well that's all right then we've reached that point at last thank god now here's something more if you please i can't rise to your level i am too depraved you can't descend to my level either for you are too exalted so there is only one thing left to do what zinaida fyodorovna asked quickly holding her breath and turning suddenly as white as a sheet of paper to call logic to our aid georgy why are you torturing me zinaida fyodorovna said suddenly in russian in a breaking voice what is it for think of my misery orlov afraid of tears went quickly into his study and i don't know why whether it was that he wished to cause her extra pain or whether he remembered it was usually done in such cases he locked the door after him she cried out and ran after him with a rustle of her skirt what does this mean she cried knocking at his door what what, what does this mean she repeated in a shrill voice breaking with indignation ah so this is what you do then let me tell you i hate you i despise you everything is over between us now i heard hysterical weeping mingled with laughter something small in the drawing-room fell off the table and was broken orlov went out into the hall by another door and looking round him nervously he hurriedly put on his greatcoat and went out half an hour passed an hour and she was still weeping i remembered that she had no father or mother no relations and here she was living between a man who hated her and polya who robbed her and how desolate her life seemed to me i do not know why but i went into the drawing-room to her 
weak and helpless looking with her lovely hair like an embodiment of tenderness and grace she was in anguish as though she were ill she was lying on a couch hiding her face and quivering all over madam shouldn't i fetch a doctor i asked gently no there's no need it's nothing she said and she looked at me with her tear-stained eyes i have a little headache thank you i went out and in the evening she was writing letter after letter and sent me out first to pekarsky then to gruzin then to kukushkin and finally anywhere i chose if only i could find orlov and give him the letter every time i came back with the letter she scolded me and treated me thrust money into my hand as though she were in a fever and all the night she did not sleep but sat in the drawing-room talking to herself orlov returned to dinner next day and they were reconciled the first thursday afterwards orlov complained to his friends of the intolerable life he led he smoked a great deal and said with irritation it is no life at all it's the rack tears wailing intellectual conversations begging for forgiveness again tears and wailing and the long and the short of it is that i have no flat of my own now i am wretched and i make her wretched surely i haven't to live another month or two like this how can i but yet i may have to why don't you speak then said pekarsky i've tried but i can't one can boldly tell the truth whatever it may be to an independent rational man but in this case one has to do with a creature who has no will no strength of character and no logic i cannot endure tears they disarm me when she cries i am ready to swear eternal love and cry myself pekarsky did not understand he scratched his broad forehead in perplexity and said you really had better take another flat for her it's so simple she wants me not the flat but what's the good of talking sighed orlov i only hear endless conversations but no way out of my position it certainly is a case of being guilty without guilt i don't claim to be a mushroom but it seems i've got to go into the basket the last thing i've ever set out to be is a hero i never could endure turgenev's novels and now all of a sudden as though to spite me i've heroism forced upon me i assure her on my honour that i'm not a hero at all i adduce irrefutable proofs of the same but she doesn't believe me why doesn't she believe me i suppose i really must have something of the appearance of a hero you go off on a tour of inspection in the provinces said kukushkin laughing yes that's the only thing left for me a week after this conversation orlov announced that he was again ordered to attend the senator and the same evening he went off with his portmanteaus to pekarsky end of chapter ten recording by expatriate in bangor maine